It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff, you know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for the weekend mailbag. Lots of questions. And for that, of course, we welcome in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right into the mailbag. Question comes in from Abstract Analyst. He says, given your look at the roster post-draft, Is it clearly better than last year? What record would you project with this squad with Gase as the coach? What record would you project with somebody who is at least an average coach? And finally, for Chris, what versus battle would you want to see most? And I'm going to combine that with Michael Parsons, who asked what the Jets' record would have been last year if they had this current incarnation of the roster. So let's start with the first part of this. It's really hard to tell because there are so many factors. We're not going to be able to see a lot of these guys participate in the offseason, so who knows who's going to emerge. I will say, though, that the Jets have a very, very tough schedule, and what Damian Woody said on Twitter resonated with me a lot. I think there's a good chance that this team could be better, even significantly better, and still have a worse record just because they're playing much tougher competition and their road schedule is way harder. So I could see this team going 5-11, and 6-10 just as easily as anything else. I think that people are going to be expecting the playoffs because we're already hearing about playoff mandates. I don't know that I would be expecting that. I would like to see it, but you got to be realistic given that this roster still needs work and they're playing much tougher competition this year. As far as what their record would be with a better coach, Maybe they could get to like 8-8 eight eight or something like that with somebody other than Adam Gase. I don't know. I'd really have to sit down and look at this and figure out who we would be talking about. And as far as if we took this roster and gave it to the Jets last year, I don't know that they would have been all that much better just because there were so many crazy things that happened last year. And then, of course, if you throw in the variable of other teams improving this year and throw that into the mix. Obviously, the Steelers are going to have much better quarterback play than they did last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, although according to Sam Monson from PFF, Mason Rudolph is just as good as Sam Darnold, so what's the difference anyway? But I do think that it's kind of tough to say. Maybe they would have been 8-8 eight and eight last year with this roster. I'm not so sure. I don't think they would have made the playoffs with it. And as far as this year, it's so hard to tell just because of all the variables that we don't know about yet. And this is going to be a much tougher schedule. So, Chris, what do you think? What will the Jets' record look like this year? How do you think they'll perform? What do you think an average coach would do with this team? And how would you rate the Jets' chances last year with this current incarnation of the roster? Plus, of course, you have to answer that question about the versus battle. 
Yeah, no, that, I won't let that one escape me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you and with Damian Woody. I, I do think this roster is an, an, an improvement over last year, and that's mostly because of the offensive line. And I, I was a, a little harsh on Douglas with free agency about not upgrading it enough, but uh, getting Mackay Becton um, definitely helps uh, with in that area. And then uh, Cameron Clark, we'll see if he's able to contribute uh, this year. But that I really like the vision and what he's trying to do there. Um, and then at, adding Connor McGovern, I think that um, alone is enough to be a, a little bit uh, an upgrade. Now, obviously, uh, people know how I feel about Robbie Anderson and letting him go. That would make a, a much bigger upgrade to the offense for me if, if he was still here. Um, but if they're able to go and get a Curtis Samuel, then, then we're, we're back in business here. Um, I think they, you know, the cornerback position, like I just said, has been upgraded greatly. Obviously they're going to have a bunch of injured players coming back with CJ Mosley. Uh, they didn't trade Avery Williamson right now. So he's still here. Um, Ashton Davis coming on at, to give them more depth, that safety, so I do think that they have made improvements here. I, I think they will be a better team than they were last year, uh, especially assuming that Sam Darnold doesn't have to miss time with a, a mono-like disease again. I think that will help too because uh, even going back, you take this roster into last year, are we still having Sam Darnold miss games for mono? Because if that's the case, then I'm not up in the – the the win total that much I do think they probably could have gotten another uh two wins with this offensive line possibly um but right now I still again I've talked about this a lot about how I don't believe in playoff mandates and uh, Darnold getting mono is a perfect example of why there's just some things that are just out of your control that can't be predicted um and again, that does not mean that I'm absolving Gase of criticism by saying there's no playoff mandate. It's just you have to be able to factor that in. And then I still criticize Gase, even though I thought they had no chance of winning games. I didn't think he was doing enough to try to win the games. So I'm not a believer in playoff mandates. And with this schedule and with the travel uh, as it is now, we'll, we'll see. We look at what baseball is trying to do, trying to – completely realign everything about it, get rid of National American League for this season, all this stuff, and they're trying to limit travel. So if the NFL does that, that would be a huge benefit for the Jets if they do something like that. But with this travel, with this schedule, like I, winning seven games seems like it would seem like a wild success to me right now. Seven to nine, eight and eight would be like a huge success story. Um, and I'm, I am factoring Adam Gase as the coach there. Uh, if, if you give me, uh, you know, an average coach that, that could actually use Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell and the, and to the best of their ability, I'd, I'd probably be willing to, to say like eight and eight and nine and seven sounds possible. But even nine and seven would even be a stretch there. I would think you'd have to have like, you know, Sean Payton, uh, Bill Belichick uh, type uh, coach uh, leading this offense, Kyle Shanahan type offense uh, leading the offense there to really be talking playoffs 
with this roster. I just think there's still too many holes and the schedule and travel time is just going to be too tough there. Uh, as for the versus battle, I got the – and when they started, I was sitting here saying, just give me Premier and RZA. Give me, give me Premier and RZA. That's all I want. That's only one I'm going to pay attention to. I got that. Um, I was a little disappointed in, in Primo. Primo went – uh, he gave Riza too much uh, room to work with. Try, I get what Premier was doing, trying to show his range and playing group poem stuff and just to get a rep from Gangstar. But he could have buried Riza if he really wanted to, and he let him hang around. I am right now. I, I I'm, I'm looking at Dr. Dre and and Diddy. That's being talked about, and Dre is gonna win that. But I, I think it'll be closer than people think. Diddy's got so many hits, and I want to see that. That would be very extremely entertaining. Another person I want to see, I want to see the Neptunes in this somewhere. I want to see them battling somebody. I'm not sure exactly how it would work with Pharrell working on his own, uh, away from Chad, including stuff he did solo or stuff he did with Chad. But uh, some, something really fun, I think, would be to watch the Neptunes and Timberland. Timbaland, uh, I think that'd be a better battle than Timbaland and Swiss Beats. So that's something that I think I would really, really like to see. Also, I want to throw Alchemist's name in this. Uh, Alchemist needs to be in one of these versus battles because Alchemist has all types of heat. So uh, there's plenty of other battles I could see to go with. I think uh, the matchup would be uh, Diddy and, and Dre. I think Diddy's the only one that could really hang with Dre. Timbaland and Neptunes would be great. And I, I need to think of somebody for Alchemist, but alchemist needs to be in one of these battles he's got way too many tracks next question comes in from michael christopher he says which pick did the two of you dislike the most i think we're both going to agree on that one captain morgan for sure and then going round by round for the picks that you didn't like who would you have picked instead so here's how i would have gone about this instead of picking zaniga at 79 i would have picked brian edwards at number 68 i like ashton davis i'm fine with it the other route you could have gone was Matt Hennessy, if you like, but I do like the Ashton Davis pick, so I'm not going to pick on that. As far as the fourth round picks, that is what I would have done very differently. I would have taken Bryce Hall with one of those picks, not thinking he would make it to the fifth. And then with the other one, instead of Captain Morgan, I would have taken Bradley and I, the edge rusher out of Utah, who ended up going at the end of the fifth round. So instead of taking Jabari Zaniga in third, I'm taking Edwards, and then I'm getting a nigh later in the fourth to fill that edge rusher need. And then in the fifth round, since I took Bryce Hall in the fourth, I would have taken Eno Benjamin, the running back out of Arizona State, who I think is a better player than LaMichael P. Ryan anyway. So that's what I would have done. We'll see if that ends up being a better route or if Joe Douglas's route is better. Let's all hope Joe Douglas did this better than I just did. Chris, what do you think? I assume you agree with me that your least favorite pick was Captain Morgan, but which picks would you have redone and who would you have picked? Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's my least favorite pick. But Zanaya, Zanaya and um, P. Ryan aren't far behind there. I would have done the same thing with you in the third. I would have, instead of Zaniga, I would have gone with Brian Edwards there. Um, and then with P. Ryan, instead of P. Ryan, I would have just gone with Anthony McFarland Jr., the running back out of Maryland. I would have gone there. I, I really, really like him. Um, instead of James Morgan, you could have just gone down a couple picks to what the Bills got, uh, uh, Gabriel Davis, wide receiver there. Um, so, and, you know, you're, uh, I could have gone with uh, Tyler 
Diaz from Wisconsin there, uh, a center. Uh, anytime uh, a Wisconsin offensive lineman is available, I'm, I'm going to be willing to check it out there. Um, you know, I, I might have even preferred a DJ Dallas to Perrine. Uh, and then, it, yeah, and then obviously the Bryce Hall pick in the fifth, I like, I, I like that there. It's, it's those, those three picks, the second, third round pick, uh, the, and the fourth round uh, ones that I have the biggest problems with. And, you know, could have gone with Reggie Robinson, in a, a cornerback out of Tulsa there. But like I said, I would have gone Anthony McFarland there, probably uh, Gabriel Davis. Now, if I get went uh, Brian Edwards in the third, maybe I wouldn't have doubled up, uh, tripled up on the receiver there. Um, maybe I would have taken your guy, uh, that the edge guy there. But yeah, th- those are the names that I would have thrown out there. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Eric Sanchez. He says, which players could be acquired still via free agency or trades that could be made now that the draft is done that you think might be possible? Could they get Yannick Ngakwe or somebody of that magnitude? And has a player ever been newly drafted and then immediately traded? Not that I know of unless there was some sort of holdout type of situation. Nothing I can think of off the top of my head with that. As far as who they could get, 
I don't think they're getting anybody big. They're not trading for Yannick Ngakwe. They're not going to sign Clowney or somebody like that. We talked about Curtis Samuel. That could be a possibility. And then I think you're looking at players like Vinny Curry or other guys that are going to get cut after June 1st. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely could do Yannick Ngakwe, but they're not going to. Uh, Like, it's definitely uh, possible for them to get that done if they wanted to, but that's not something that they're going to do. They're not going to pay for him. They're not going to do that. So, um, obviously, Curtis Samuel, another name that we've seen a lot mentioned uh, that I know that they were looking into before the draft, Logan Ryan, the cornerback. Uh, it's still possible that they could bring him in. Maybe they're less inclined to now that they have, uh, you know, that they got Quincy Wilson and that they drafted Bryce Hall. But, again, we're back at this quarterback situation. They, they have a lot of possibles now. It's 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 like you're playing spades right now, and you're like, I got two and a possible, uh, or two and three possibles here. But you know, if you can use, uh, if you can somehow work out a trade to get something that's more of a possible, so maybe they would still do that. Um, I again, they're going to uh, Joe Douglas is going to continue to look at upgrading this roster, making tweaks to this roster. But uh, Curtis Samuel is about the biggest name that I could see them going for here. Uh, I just don't think they're not spending the money on somebody like Yannick Ngakwe. Next question comes in from our buddy Travis Milton, world-class chef and, of course, co-host of There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett here on the Turn on the Jets digital network. He says, considering man is able and willing to handle kickoffs, what do you think the odds are that the team foregoes signing a kicker Also, once everything comes down to a point of safety and restaurants are open, where's the first place you are going to go? So let's start with the first part of that. I think they're signing a kicker. I think it's possible man will handle kickoffs, but they're absolutely going to get a field goal kicker. The one thing that man allows them to do in terms of kickoffs is maybe there's a kicker that doesn't have a huge leg, but he's really accurate and you would worry about him on kickoffs. This gives you the flexibility to get somebody like that. But man actually is an excellent kickoff guy. And then as far as where I want to go restaurant wise, once everything is back to normal, anybody that knows me knows the answer to this. It's Fuddruckers. Fuddruckers? Chris, I'm not rich like you. I'm not going for some fancy steak, buddy. But Fuddruckers. Chris, don't make me jump through this screen and slap you. I will. Don't test me. You're getting close. You're getting very close, Chris. I'm going to jump through this screen. I'm going to strangle you. Keep it up. (laughs) Their Buffalo burgers are absolutely outstanding. They have incredible soda selection, and you get as much as you want. And they also have unlimited fries, so argue with that. All right. Well, to to be fair to you, I haven't been in the Fuddruckers in at least 15 years, so... You should probably change that, Chris. I may have to take you there one day, and you can experience the magic of the Buffalo Burger. <laughs> All right. I'll take you. Um, yeah, with as far as man, I mean, he can't kick field goals, so they need to kind. Of, they need to sign a kicker. Mm-hmm. I do think we might be a you know a couple years, five years, I, uh, somewhere down the line. I do think we're going to end up seeing somebody come in that can do that can handle punts, kickoffs, and kick field goals. I do think that day will come. Um, maybe it won't be every team has somebody that does that, but I do think we're not too far away from somebody uh, being able to do that. But right now, they, they're still going to need a kicker because they, they're they going to need someone to kick field goals. But like you said, this does 
uh, opened up the possibility for them to find somebody who is more accurate and they don't have to worry about them as handling kickoff duties because man can do that. As far as where I'm going when things first open up is I'm staying on my couch. Um, (laughs) I'm staying on my couch for a long time after things open up. Um, I, I, I think that even, even here in New Jersey where we're being a little more careful, I think we are going to be opening up too soon and I am not ready to. Um, But yeah, there's there's a bunch of restaurants that eventually I'll be getting to that, but that's that's gonna be my main thing right there is, is going back to restaurants, getting somebody to cook me a nice a nice meal. Uh, I've been doing all these uh, meal prep things I've been getting from this place, so and and some delivery. It's gonna be nice to go sit down in a restaurant and eat uh, this uh, place by me called Tiff's. Uh, else it's probably going to be where I go but it's going to be a long time after things open up I'm going to stay on my couch for a while I'm not going to be venturing out into the wild and then also I I need to get back to this place that used to be an old favorite of mine by me this place called Pub 199 where you can get like really insanely good delicious lobster and crab legs for pretty cheap so that those are going to be the two places that I'm going to but Again, it's not as soon as it opens up. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting it out. But again, I'm co- I'm comfortable on my couch. I'm not itching to get out quite as much as everybody else. I was just going to say, you would want to be on your couch regardless of what was going on outside. So it's kind of not really that much of a difference for you. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, offensive line question. Do either of you have an extensive evaluation on Jared Hilber as the undrafted free agent tackle out of Washington? No, I don't. Pretty sure Chris doesn't either. You may want to check with Connor Rogers on that one. Played left tackle when Trey Adams was hurt and right tackle the rest. I've read a little bit about him, but like I said, I don't really have a whole lot to offer. I'd love to see a player take Wale's old role but actually be good. Yeah, tell me about it. Also, name your favorite offseason moves so far. That's an easy one. Makai Becton. Chris? Yeah, so... I you you nailed it. I I don't have a lot to offer there. I will I will look into him more in the next week or so. But yeah, I I don't have a lot to offer there. I you go ahead and ask Connor Rogers. Um, yeah, I I hear you about that the the quality thing. I completely understand and agree that that's exactly what you should be thinking there. Um, yeah, I mean, man, I. I want to try to go somewhere else than Beckton just because that was your answer, but you know how important offensive line is to me. And also watching uh, Makai, the having the huge high ceiling and potential of Beckton, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I kept talking about my personal bias of me just uh, wanting to cover Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, and I didn't get that. But to be able to watch and cover and see – uh, how it all plays out with Makai Becton, that's going to be a lot of fun for me. Uh, if I could go Denzel Mims, especially because of how much I liked him, where they were able to get him, picking up the extra pick. Although I'll, I'll say Ashton Davis was the most pleasant surprise to me. Um, again, I, I had good feelings about him before the draft, but I didn't look heavily on it. It's not a position I was – like really digging into because I didn't think the Jets were necessarily going to go there. But then after I, I I was like, huh, 
okay, I see the vision. I like it. Then I watched a lot more tape and I, I just, I really like the pick now. I still probably would have gone a different way, but I really, really like that pick now. So that's my most pleasant surprise is going to be Ashton Davis. Next question comes in from Randy Sherman. He says with the Bryce Hall pick and the addition of Quincy Wilson, bless Austin coming back. Is this enough for Joe Douglas to be finished at corner in free agency? Still some interesting names out there. Logan Ryan, Drake Kirkpatrick, and Darquez Denard. I think if the price is right, maybe with one of those guys, but I don't see them making an investment in somebody like Logan Ryan. I think the Quincy Wilson trade and the Bryce Hall selection gave them a pretty good group to choose from for that second cornerback. Like I said, I wouldn't think that it's out of the question if one of those guys gets to a certain point where his asking price is so cheap that it's sort of a what-the-heck sort of situation, but I don't think they're going to be in a rush to sign any of those guys. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely enough uh, for now. Obviously, they could still uh, use upgrades for sure, you know. Uh, if Tredavious White, Stephon Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey, any of those guys, yeah, that would be huge. They're not going to be available the guys you just mentioned, though, like I could, I could see them adding one of them, especially once they can get guys in the building and then take a look at Bryce Hall. Maybe his injuries, um, you know, uh, situation he won't be able to play. Then maybe they look to bring some one of these guys in. Darquez Denard is somebody I loved coming out of college. He did not live up to that, but he's still solid. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick is definitely better than what they had last year. Same with Logan Ryan. So those are all possible names to keep an eye on and monitor going forward. But it's not like I expect them to be huge upgrades on what they got. It would just be another name to throw into the competition. And this is one of those situations we've talked about with, uh, you know, offensive line over the years. Uh, depth is depth, man. And when you if you're not set, if you don't have studs at the position – then try to get as much depth as possible. You got injuries, and it doesn't matter. You got seven guys that are all like pretty close to equal. Then you 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 figure out who plays best, give them the reps. But if they struggle, you can slide somebody else in. They get injured, you can slide somebody else in. It's I mean, it's like you're playing a, a, a building a team on Madden, and you got a bunch of seventy eights. Like all your cornerbacks are like. You know, seven, uh, 78's probably a little high for these guys even, but they're all 75s. Uh, that's better than having uh, a bunch of guys in the 60s like they did last year. So this is an improvement there. I could see them possibly adding uh, one of those three guys at some point, depending on how, uh, you know, everything shakes out. But I think that they'll probably roll with what they got for the time being. And then um, we'll see when things open up training camp and what the situation is at that point. Uh, I would think Logan Ryan's probably at the top of that list of those guys that they'd consider. But I don't think that uh, you'll necessarily see them be making a quick move to get them in as quick as possible. And with that, we'll wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure that you follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd be really grateful. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it helps us out a lot. So if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.